Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Uh, I'm Nate, and I'm joined in studio as always with Chris and our tech wizard over there, Dave. Uh, back with us as uh, as usual, I guess I can say now, uh, friend of the show, Jude St. John, and Drew Fess, pastor of City View, is with us once again. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Glad to be in another podcast. Yeah. Excited to be here. Are you cutting me off? What are you doing? I, I think on, I man. was cutting off. I'm sorry. I thought I was too a f- familiar I, with. I you. thought I was a friend of the show. You are, <laughs> you are a friend of the show. I think. I think this is where I'm going with this. I think we have to upgrade Jude now, though. Yeah, you yeah. upgraded me. You just ag- upgraded me from friend of the show to usual. Oh, Can yeah. I get a better title than like when? When does he become full rebel? All right, we'll, we'll just call you a rebel if you're okay with that uh, that phrase. Rebel, you're not Han Solo. Go to the listeners. Go to the listeners. This is how you build your uh, build your case. <laughs> Clearly, I would be Luke. So, which one of the two of you are Chewie and? I'm home? Han. He's Chewie. <laughs> I actually had the nickname of Chewie in public school it after is, Chewbacca. Really? Because it was big. Yeah. It is decided. That makes you Lando, though. I'm in. <laughs> Lando is pretty sweet. Lando is pretty cool. Yeah. No, no Lando, no party. Lando. Um, so uh, thanks uh, for everybody tuning in. And uh, let's just uh, remind you once again, uh, you can help us by uh, throwing us a like, a comment, uh, by sharing any of the posts that we have, uh, by finding us on iTunes and giving us a rating or a review. Uh, all of this just helps uh, spread the gospel a little bit further and helps uh, spread our influence in this podcast. So that's how you can help and how you can join the rebellion. Uh, what are we talking about today, Chris? Uh, we're actually going to be having the White van versus yellow bus debate. Where nice. we feeding off our pastor's draft, which I'll give the uh, feedback on just in a moment. Um, we're going to discuss homeschooling. Is it biblical or is it not biblical? Or is there is there a right answer? That's what's on the docket today. But before we get to that, as always, we have an opening question. And so the question I have for you guys today is, out of all the mega pastors, we talk about them a lot. Which one do you think you'd be best friends with if, you know, you got a chance to hang out with them? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start because I've said this before, so it's going to enter kind of creepy uh, mode. I, I think I'd be BFFs with Matt Chandler. I think <laughs> when, when, I, when I hear him tell jokes, I feel like we got a similar sense of humor. Uh, I, I have the desire to ride his coattails a little bit. Um, I think uh, I think he's a funny guy. He seems down to earth. He he plays sports. Uh, I think we'd be uh, I think we'd be good friends. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go the reverse as well. I love you, David Platt, if you're listening. Uh, but I have no desire sure to be your friend <laughs> on a, because I feel like every time we hung out, I just get con- so convicted I'd end up on missions and uh, and I'd be, you know, committing to uh, overseas, you know, unreached people group, uh, jungle ministry. You're just not ready for and, that. Yeah, I'm not ready for it. I, I'd have to go home and, and tell my wife and it, it'd be, might be a bit of a mess at home. So I, I, love you, I love you, Platt, but uh, I just feel like you'd be too convicting. Now, I want to just, you sort of said mega church pastor, but, you know, can I, can I just pull in someone like a big name? Sure. That's what I was kind of getting. Okay. At you know, a little bit older than me, obviously, but I think it'd be cool to hang out with J.I. Packer. Hmm. Now, the reason I said that, I say that is because the youth pastor from my church actually called J.I. Packer at home. <laughs> he was going to go out to BC and he said, I- I'd like to have coffee with J.I. Packer. So we called him at home. J.I. answers the phone. And our youth pastor... Just like, hello? Yeah. He would. I heard, I've heard this, yeah. actually. And so uh, Dave, our youth pastor, um, says, hey, can, I'm going to be in, in Vancouver. Can we go for coffee? J.I. You know, somehow answered, no, but we are doing a Bible study at my church on this day, and we can go together. 
And so I'm thinking this is awesome. You know, you're hanging with J.I., right? So that's pretty cool. But then uh, what just impressed me about it too is, you know, Dave was basking in the glory of sitting beside J.I. in a Bible study. And um, at the end of the Bible study, J.I. hadn't said anything, but they asked for the expert's opinion. They wanted the right answer after they talked about it for a while. (laughs) And uh, he said, J.I. Uh, just had a quip that was so funny. The whole meeting, you know, went into uproarious laughter. And I thought, this guy is cool. And right. he would probably be like that in person where it'd be very serious and you can learn some stuff and hear what he has to say. And then he would, you know, just drop your jaw with some quip or some something funny. I think it'd be cool to hang out How with J.I. How did he get J.I.'s phone number? You know, <laughs> he told me, like... I think he knew someone who went Back to when the yellow pages. church, but I think <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't the, it was, you could just it look just it up listed. in the phone book wow. and That's call awesome. J.I. So, yeah. uh, I actually sent him with my copy of Knowing God and got it signed by J.I. So that's, that's pretty wicked. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. That is amazing. How about nice. you, Drew? Uh, well, I'm going to take the liberty and do two. One is dead. Um, that's going to be tough. Yeah. But if he was alive, that's a, that's a morbid. Uh, if he was meeting, alive, there's a weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Um, no, uh, the guy I would want to hang out with the most, he's dead. Uh, would be Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Yes, that's awesome. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. But yeah. uh, but not, in today's society, not back then. Yeah. Well, that could have been rough. Well, yeah. he came to America near very the end, briefly near before the end he realized of his he had life, to go yes. back to Nazi Germany. Yeah, uh, he's the man. I read his uh, like thick biography over By Christmas. Metaxas. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so it's awesome. Start yeah. Well written. Yeah, just love that guy. Uh, but I, I got a little different bent than you guys, <laughs> though I appreciate the reformers. I if I could sit down with somebody today, it would be um, my spiritual hero, the huge huge Eugene Peterson. Um, <laughs> huge yeah. huge. You even have a nickname for him. How yeah, cute! Yeah, and I would use it. I would use it. There's nobody uh, kind of I look up to more. So I think it'd be great to spend time with him. And what his, would you guys talk about? Time. What would um, Jesus, the kingdom of God? <laughs> Jesus, good answer. Um, no, we you know what we talk about is he um, was an academic, gave it up. Mm. Uh, he was going to do his PhD, yeah. gave it up, and served the same church for over thirty years. That's amazing. That's awesome. And yeah. so, and not only that, his his writing uh, on spirituality, on Jesus and the kingdom, um, uh, I think for a pastor who wants to be somewhere a long time and just faithfully serve, and is not would even maybe even chuckle at the whole idea of mega. Would you know, like yeah, he right. would just push back on that. Um, I, that's the kind of guy I want to be on. Cool. Yeah, that's a good answer. Who would you not hang out with? Who would I not hang out with? Oh, I'd hang out with anybody. I, there's people that scare me. Who, scare, who scares <laughs> who you? Who scares me? Um, I don't know. Um, Paul Washer scares the heck out of Seriously. me. Yeah, good call. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like you'd make Eugene you cry Peterson, Paul. That would, be, that would be an interesting back-to-back luncher. Yeah. <laughs> or like the three of you sit down, right? Eugene just lovingly like listening and his soft voice just speaking back and then... Yeah, I feel like then, I would... And then get washed. Yeah, I'd be predestined to wherever, I don't know, <laughs> with Paul Washer. So. How about uh, Johnny Mack? John yeah, MacArthur? John MacArthur, I feel like... Yeah. He, yeah, I feel like... And you guys, a few podcasts ago, said you were continuous, so that... Yeah, you'd be he done. would already be you'd taking be done. me to task. He'd, yeah, yeah, he'd be strange he'd be like firing strange all over fire, me. Yeah. yeah, he'd try to convert us. Like, he'd yeah. be like, he'd be praying for us at the meal, yeah. yelling at us, I feel. I, feel I think like if I could do it with Nate, I would do that. 
And then when there was too much pressure on me, I would point to the fact that he's not a disp- dispensationalist. <laughs> and in fact, yeah. he's not a historic pre-mill and he's not oh, an millennialist. You're done. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Mac that. would smoke me. Oh, yeah. would, you, would you go to lunch in a suit? With jo- You'd have to. Oh, yeah. With Johnny, Johnny Mac. Mac, yeah. yeah. You, yeah I Imagine feel like a look of disdain to. if you walked in <laughs> yeah. with jeans. Who, he paying? would just look, he's just like, well... Good question. I, I feel like I feel like I would hope that they would offer, but I'd try to pick up the tab. Um, on Johnny Mac, though, if if I showed up in just what I wear to the office and stuff, I feel like that would be an immediate strike against me. Forget the non-dispensational or continuationist. Uh, I think that Johnny Mac would just look me up and down and just be like, "You're a pastor? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's the suit and tie, bro? He could be one of those guys, though, that you know, outside of the spotlight is just chill and. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Gets a bad rap. Throws on throws on some, you know, Hawaiian shirts. Hawaii, <laughs> that would be good. Hawaiian shirt. Photoshop <laughs> right there. <laughs> and some Wranglers. <laughs> my, <laughs> some Wranglers. Yeah, we're all getting a visual now. My, nice. my problem with the Johnny Mac is have you ever seen him when he's on like Larry King and he do, does those faces where it's just complete disgust? Yeah. yeah. I, I would be like saying that, that every time I spoke, I'd be like, ooh, yeah. he's not liking what I just said. <laughs> and he likely wouldn't be because, as we said, I'm a continuationalist, so he'd probably be killing me. Yeah. So I definitely wouldn't want to hang out with him. But that's not who I was going to go with. I don't want to hang out with Driscoll. <laughs> Why not? Okay. Why not? Here's Because Driscoll's super big onto like no nerd things. He thinks they're all stupid. He doesn't like video games, all this stuff. Where I'm not huge into some of that stuff, but I feel like he would just he would just be pointing out all the things that I'm doing wrong as a man. But, <laughs> it's not so, manly to watch Star Wars. You watched how many hours of, of sports this week? Pfft, wasting time. Like, I just feel like that would be mm. too much for me. Almost like the same idea with you said with Platt, like who would just convict you, where I just feel like Driscoll would just like bully me a little bit. Into, so into that. so I, the way of Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I, uh, who are you hanging out with, Booty? I'm hanging I can't believe nobody said this. I'm hanging out with Jared Wilson. Mm, yeah, uh, that's pretty be, good. He'd be sweet. Too, He's too a funny guy. Jovial. Just jovial. He's funny. Time. Good, solid guy. Yeah. Funny. And I don't feel like it would be awkward if I was just like, hey, do you just want to watch, want to go to a ball game? Isn't you know he I mean? in like, like nowhere, Vermont or something? Yeah, like, yeah. he was. Moscow, oh, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was in, uh, he was in Vermont. He's at uh, Mid East Theological, yeah. Baptist Theological School or Seminary or I forget, MBTS. Teaching or Doug Wilson? Um, no, didn't you no, say Jared Wilson? Jared Wilson. Jared Wilson. Oh, man. I'm yeah. wrong Wilson. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the wrong yeah, Wilson. You're in Idaho. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Is he teaching? Is that what he's doing? Uh, or taking? He's doing a little bit of teaching, but he's doing... Um, for the church. Like, uh, uh, it's not marketing because we wouldn't do that, but, you know, for the school, he's he's their content guy nice. in terms of uh, stuff and apparently doing a great job of it. Uh, Are, if, you ever, if you ever check out For the Church, that's sort of the yeah. the thing that, with blog posts and everything. Kevin Young, I want to say one more. Kevin DeYoung has a great sense of humor, yeah, like sarcastic. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he leads into sports. Uh, he's got a whack of kids. I think, you know, I could I could hang out with him and enjoy myself. There is one problem. I, I was just going to say this, Drew. Okay, from what I, I don't know him well, but uh, uh, he's at the Little Brother School. Is that of the greatest university in the world. <laughs> if nobody knows what we're talking about, Kevin DeYoung is in Lansing, Michigan, which is That's right. the home of Michigan just State threw, Just threw up in my mouth. And Drew is a big, big <laughs> fan of the Michigan Wolverines. Yes. As, as are you, this. as are you. I was trying to make it all on Drew, but that works too. Um, so that is uh, I, why I didn't pick Kevin DeYoung. I was being tasteful and just not Thank pointing you. that out. But Thank you. I like where, I like the where you were that one. <laughs> nice. Spe- speaking of Doug Wilson, though, 
Um, our friends over on the Two Thieves podcast had him on recently, and I was blown away by, by his level of just down-to-earthness. Yeah, for sure. And I've seen that when you watch him on YouTube and read his blog, but when you actually hear these guys just pick up the phone and just have a chat, I was I was blown away by the level of how, how cool he sounded. Yeah, that was a really good uh, episode, too. So uh, if you're listening to this and you want to check out another great podcast, Two Thieves podcast, and I think that episode was called Engaging the Culture with Doug Wilson. It was awesome. Wonderful. And speaking of Doug Wilson and engaging culture, let's segue into our actual discussion today. He's a big homeschool guy, isn't he? He is a big homeschool guy. Yeah, absolutely. So he's a he's a white van over a yellow bus kind of guy. He's a white vanner. Now this uh, this conversation got started because uh, we did a pastors draft back. In, I think it was episode five, and uh, and so we were all doing kind of fantasy sports, uh, picking pastors to speak at a conference. And and Chris ended up drafting the team with. Doug Wilson, Jeff Durbin, Paul Washer, uh, Vadi Bakum, <laughs> like literally all the, all the outspoken homeschoolers. And so we, uh, we dubbed his conference the Homeschool Conference, and, uh, and we, we kind of poked fun a little bit. And, uh, and so then the, the conversation came up, well, why, why poke fun? Uh, what's, uh, what's the Bible say about education, which I think is a really big topic. And, uh, and certainly... Uh, a couple of episodes ago, we we talked about uh, some of the difficulties facing Christians in our culture, and so uh, I think this is a question that's on a lot of people's mind. In fact, I was listening to the radio the other day. It was not a Christian station, and it was just a, a secular talk show, and uh, and they were talking about homeschooling, completely bereft of any Christian or religious um, reasoning for what they're doing, simply because of the I guess the the state of the uh, the public school system. So I just, I, I find that this is a question that's, uh, that a lot of parents come to and, and all that kind of stuff. So we thought we'd have it out today. Yeah. And just a, just a piece of statistics, not that we always put too much weight on these, but just to put a perspective on it. Um, a survey done back in 1999 said that about 850,000 students were homeschooled in the United States. In 2011, the same U.S. Department of Education reported that 1.77 million kids were homeschooled. So homeschooling is clearly on the rise. And actually in 2016, more kids in North, North Carolina are homeschooled than attend, than attend public schools. So homeschooling is definitely something that's on the rise. And it isn't, as you said, Nate, it isn't just the church that is doing this. It's now becoming more of a mainstream thing as, as other religions do it. And just people who wouldn't affiliate to any body of worship would also be doing that as well. So let me just say, um, you know, so people know where I'm coming from. I'm sort of sitting on the fence on this issue, and I think we have people on different sides of the fence. Uh, and I will say I'm sitting on the fence. But what uh, I was always, you know, public school, brought up in public school, worked as a teacher in the public school, kids go to public school. But what made me start to question that actually wasn't the uh, scriptural, biblical argument for homeschooling. It was the caliber of education uh, of the public school system, which I think is uh, going in the wrong direction and quickly. In what, and, and, and this is good, like in what sense, because when you had said, uh, you know, it's interesting as we've done a podcast about um, culture and the church and is the church in crisis, uh, having kids, and I'll have four soon in, in public school, I haven't... Um, I, in the talk of home, because I'm not against homeschool at all. I think everybody should have their choice. Biblically, I'd love to hear the biblical side of things, which would be good. But I often think, what is the crisis? 
with public school? Well, is it just because a lot of people, it's pr- primarily around, uh, and at least in Ontario, around sexual education for a lot of people. You know, is, no, it, is it more than that? Is no, it my that? issue is the actual quality of education. And you're a teacher, right? And I'm you a teacher. Yeah, so you know. So you yeah, see, I yeah. taught. And yeah. it's, um, you know, you're in a situation now where I believe uh, the average parent, the average parent uh, could educate their child in terms of content better than what the public school system did. So even if that parent, oh, I'm not, you know, I didn't get a university degree, I didn't do this or that, I actually think the average parent could do a better job. You know, and that that strictly in terms of the like, education. Like actual education. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And before before we get into the discussion, Sorry, I, 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 I do what I did. No, 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 not at all. I do want to point out that that we're not when we say if we take one particular side or another side, we're not trying to shame the other side. Um, it's just this is just a discussion to get something in people's minds so that they can be thinking about it because we want you to make a good biblical decision, but be led by the spirit in this in this area. Like there isn't a in my opinion, it isn't sufficient one way or the other. If there's any shaming, it's going to be personal. And you'll know which person I'm talking about. So it's not out to the general public. It's to a specific person at this table. For, for people who are listening to this podcast and can't see Jude, he was looking directly at me there. So, <laughs> the, uh, the other me. thing, just uh, the last caveat before we jump in is um, I think we could all agree that we've seen uh, families do homeschooling really well. And we've seen families uh, who public school has been a good thing for their kids. For sure. And uh, we've seen the opposite, right? And so uh, this isn't to say that everybody who's done homeschool has done it poorly because it's not good. Uh, And similarly, everybody who's done public school, uh, that isn't good. Um, You know, we're not making any uh, specific comments on specific families. So um, so let's jump into it. I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll start with you, Drew, uh, because I got to pick on somebody and, <laughs> and, uh, and because you have young kids, yeah. uh, in the public school system. So you've obviously made this choice more recently than Jude has. And, uh, and I'm, I, I haven't had to make this decision yeah, yeah. yet, so go for it. Well, no, it's good. I, the reason why I had asked the question is because my kids are younger, so I haven't, um, you know, they're, my oldest is in grade three. So when you talk about, uh, the reading, the writing, that we're developing them at home. Um, so that's why it's interesting to hear on on somebody who's been in that in that world. It's interesting. I don't even I didn't even see it as a choice. I didn't. It's funny. I didn't see hmm. um, because of our story um, homeschooling as even a, a choice, just because of uh, our work and life and and uh, whatnot. Not that I guess we didn't think through it because I think our kids are. A priority in our lives. I just felt um, the automatic. We, we sent thing. Ava, and it's been really good. It's funny that we just moved, so I'm actually dr- still driving them across town to the school that they've been at from the beginning of the year. And the school definitely has its moments in the, the location where it is, but the faculty and the the things that we've experienced in the public system have been good. Now I have friends in the states who have taken either the private or the homeschooling option, and heard on a whole different level, some of the things that are in the public system. We had friends in Nashville and some areas where the public system was uh, tremendously uncared for, like right. uh, stuff that you'd fall, fall off your chair. So w- hearing that um, it would maybe make a different decision, but I feel like um, it's just been, something that's been thought through, but not like 
I guess I've just never seen homeschooling as an option in, in our story. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So now, Jude, your your kids are are, are older. Uh, I, I know your oldest, Ina, is uh, out of uh, high school and yep. is on to university. What? Yeah, Whoa, it's crazy. So you had her at like old. 12, 13? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that young. Uh, I, got, I have just two in teams. high school and two in elementary school. The four of them are still in the public school system. So, um, was homeschooling an option for you guys? Did you and Nicole talk it over or what's, what's uh, the deal? Not really. Um, maybe in a very cursory fashion on a couple of occasions, but, uh, I didn't feel this way, particularly, like I said, not about the sort of biblical argument, but about the actual quality argument. I didn't feel that way, you know, when they started. And I would say similar to you. Uh, I'm not speaking from a, when I say those things about the quality, about the experience my kids have had, I've been pretty happy with their experience, you know, in terms of the teachers they've had and what they've um, been through educationally at their schools, uh, not specific incidences there. My, my thoughts on that come from uh, being a teacher and from having that 30,000 foot view of where this is heading and what they're doing, so right. um, we we didn't uh, we didn't really look at it seriously. Um, I have a sister uh, who's younger than me, whose kids were younger than mine, who uh, did it, uh, and saw a lot of good things uh, from that. But when we were starting out, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say we were really engaged with the question. So I, I mean, I asked that. I have uh, uh, for the listeners who might not know, I have a, a one and a half year old at home. So uh, we're just wading into this thing called parenting, and another one on the way in a couple months, which is awesome. Um, but uh, as I think about Quinn, uh, our our young daughter, uh, you know, we're still in that you know first child mode where where every you're you're trying to save them from the from everything, right? Sure. And and I think Jude maybe. Well, both of you, four or five kids in by the last year, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, sure, eat that thing. You That's found right. This. <laughs> no problem. That'll be good for you. You eat it off the ground, bro. <laughs> right. No, seriously. It's quicker to put it in your mouth than yep. find a garbage. That's yeah. right. That's sad. But. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's funny uh, how that works. So, I, I mean, my wife and I are really engaged in this conversation right now. And so part of my... I'll just say my first reaction, we'll kind of talk about this from a variety of perspectives, but my first um, thought is as you, as you look at the world around and you think about um, the just the absurd worldviews that are out there, um, you know, the, the thing I, I fear the most, right? So yeah, first child, I'm, st- I'm, I'm still the one pulling the thing out of her mouth and, yeah. you know, um, saving her from every germ in the world kind of thing. But um, when you think about what you want to protect her from in the world around us, um, you know, I, I recognize that the thing I fear the most is is her growing up and not knowing the Lord. I mean, that to me is, you know, of course, parents worry about losing their children in a variety of ways. But to me, I mean, the worst, obviously, the worst fate in the world is that she would grow up and, and not know the Lord. And so for me, um, part of me is thinking, you know, the gospel has to be central in, in, I know it's central in our worldview. And so as she develops her worldview, I want the gospel to be at the center of her worldview. And, um, and so that, that means why would I send her to a public school system that's essentially teaching her the gospel of secular humanism for eight hours a day, five days a week, if, if my goal is to have the gospel take root in her life? So that that's kind of the where I'll, where I'll just start the conversation. I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on on just that, because that's really where the conversation started with uh, my wife and I. Yeah. 
just uh, it's interesting the secular humanist side. Do you feel maybe just ask back because I think sometimes it's good to, to process that. Do you feel like that kind of penetrates every? Because I, I would agree there are certain worldview things that I would lead my kids through differently than the public school system. Yep. But then I would uh, I would say there are things that are just naturally you, you Matt, whether it's math or I don't, you know, right. whatever. Um, do you feel like that penetrates everything like the secular worldview, like a secular humanist worldview? No, I mean, this is all hearsay. Uh, it, you know, everybody wants to tell a story that, that helps uh, defend their point of view. Um, but recently I was, I was told by um, a retired teacher that um, they, uh, their niece uh, is in school right now and uh, and got a test back and there were some uh, so in, in the test and it was some sort of an English test and they were testing grammar and stuff like that um, but there were some words that their child had spelt wrong and uh, and the, they weren't docked marks for spelling the words wrong and and so the accusation was that they, they don't mark those words wrong because you you spell that word okay. the way you want to spell the word because you know if that's how you right. sound okay, it okay. out so yeah and and so now I think that there's probably a lot of teachers out there who would think that's absurdity but I guess my my statement would be built on a secular humanistic evolutionary worldview a teacher can't tell somebody that you they're know, wrong. That they're wrong, right? Because they have nothing to stand on. Their 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 standard for right and wrong is an ever shifting, um, uh, you know, foundation. And so, in a world that would say, you know, the gender you were born doesn't necessarily define you. You can you can choose. Gender is fluid. Uh, you are what you choose to be. Uh, sexuality is fluid. Um, a, a culture that not only says that that's okay, but a culture that would say that that's actually um, a mark of our evolution, right? We are we are now uh, higher kind of on the evolutionary uh, scale because we have evolved to the sense where we understand that that gender is is this fluid thing. That's absurdity. But in their worldview, that's where they have to go to stand on their worldview. And so so I do think it can infiltrate its way in. And, and the reality is, is, that might be absurdity now, but on that worldview, you wonder where it's going to go. And it's interesting. So if you go back into even the, the U.S. history at Harvard Law, um, you can go back. And, and after um, Darwin wrote The Origin of Species in 1869, um, it was three decades later that Harvard Law um, hired. Now, Harvard is, is a Christian uh, college, that right? Way, yeah. yeah, that's how it started. Uh, you can go back to their banner, and you can see um, the the foundations uh, built on a, a Christian worldview. But 30 years after uh, uh, Darwin published The Origin of Species, they brought a guy in to oversee, to become the dean of Harvard Law, of, of the law section of, of Harvard. And, uh, and he came in with an evolutionary worldview and uh, began to change. So instead of now... Um, uh, law that's based on kind of an unchanging law, he actually set into, uh, he, he actually kind of uh, sowed the seeds of what now becomes precedent in case law. So instead of this idea that this is right and this is wrong, well, now based on a judge's decision 10 years ago, uh, we can interpret this particular thing differently. There isn't a, a black and white right and wrong, but now it's based on how law is evolving and how law is changing. What what was that? That was 
um, Darwinian evolution being applied to law and ethics. So I think it has infiltrated its way into the public school system, and I just don't think that they have anything to stand on that would get it back to what I would call truth. Yeah. I think for me, some of those things haven't seen or felt that yet because of the age of my kids. It's hard. I think through these things, I look at a couple things biblically. Um, Jeremiah 29, which you have quoted in the past, I think is a great, you know, one thing you didn't talk about in, in through that is the false prophets Totally. Or the one yeah. saying, don't go in. Yeah. You know, it's actually, yeah. the, you know, like this. God's going to rescue us any day now. Yeah, yeah. separation. I, so um, just to give context to our listeners yeah, here. So uh, Jeremiah 29, Israel is in exile. Babylon has uh, yeah. has taken the Jews into exile. And some, um, Jeremiah is a prophet of God, and God is speaking through him and actually rebuking some false prophets who said, well, God's going to save right. us. He's going to bring us back. We're not going to be in exile to these enemies of God for long. And Jeremiah comes along, and God speaks through him and says, actually, you will be. You'll be here for 70 yeah. years. Move so in. settle down, build you houses. Move in. You won't lose your spiritual identity. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I look at that. I look at a guy like Daniel yep. who learned, and I'm not saying we should do this with our kids, but learned sorcery and <laughs> pretty much the occult and rose to the top of the class. Right. <laughs> and I'll use a word that you guys use a lot. You know, God, um, God sovereignly worked, <laughs> worked through him. Yep. Um, we can have another podcast on that one later if yeah. you want. Um, but, so I look at different examples of what it means to be faithful, and I'm definitely not against it. I just... Um, I've yeah, looking through the life of my kids and what they could be in the lives of others because of the things that have been shaping them at home and the, the right. things that are shaping them on mission, um, and and not, and even with kids, not that constant. Even I'm a missionary, but just this the the uh, I always look at the church and the home as a greenhouse, um, as a place that's cultivated. My you know I think there are some precedent for moving into Babylon. That are that are you know unique stories for right. sure, right. yeah, yeah. It's good, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now you're suspiciously quiet over there, uh, Chris. What are you uh, thinking as we talk? Well, I I I look at this from a different perspective necessarily. Like I, I don't see the Great Commission as age restrictive. So Christians are called to go and make disciples. I don't I don't see any reason to think that Jude or Drew's kids can't be doing that in in their school. So I understand that there's a level of maturity that has to happen first. And I'm not saying that public school system is the only, only right way. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I, I fear for the day that Christians completely withdraw from the school systems because as we've alluded to it before, I became a Christian in public school system through ministries that were working in my school. And I can speak of numerous things, but I don't want to use my experience to define that. Right. So I look at it from, the perspective where we we are training kids to be missionaries that's the job of the parent the job of the parent is to to train their kid to teach their kid if we send them to school that is a mission that is a mission field for our kids there's nothing there's no in my opinion any any evidence to say that we shouldn't be letting our kids go out into the world they're going to do that at some point anyway right and so when is the age that that becomes appropriate well they're most the most teachable by us at the young age as well as the world. So as long as we're being good parents and correcting those things, we can we can still have an impact on and, our kids and, and they can have an impact in their in their classrooms. And my thing too, and I'm not saying you're coming from this position at all. I think not to to if we live in fear, and I'm not saying you're doing this. Yep, no, I agree. Because you've articulated self very well. 
Um, just like our talk on is the church in crisis, a lot of people can equate that to, well, we got to, we're, everything's bad. And, you know, like there's yep. tons of fear around World's that. going to hell in a hand. Better. Right. I think with this too, yeah, getting a, a vision, if our kids, like Chris has said, are in the public school system, that there isn't, we're, we're not motivated by fear. In we've talked even around this table a little bit about eschatology. Uh, you've even shared like, you know, there's this hope that we have. And uh, I think, you know, living in light of that is important too, that, yeah. One of the things that you brought up in your examples was um, was pointing to the quality of education. Yep. So, and I, and I have seen this, right, when... Which is a different discussion, I think, which is well, good. It's good it that is. you brought that up. But what I, I guess I'm going to ask him is, so you get a situation now where there is, uh, in some teachers' minds, no right or wrong answer, which means you're going to get a terrible education, which is one of the things I was pointing to. Right. Um, but I guess what, I, what thought I had, what if you um, could send your kid to a private school who, even though they had a secular worldview of some sort, still had a modern mindset, not a postmodern one, right. where there was objective truth and the rest of it. Does that change it a little? Because I think that's what, you know, sort of the last 30 years minus, you know, say 10 years, right. that's what the situation, it was a secular, yeah. you know, system. And yet there was still that modern thinking, there was right and wrong, there was, you know. I, I, think, it would, I think it would definitely change things for me in terms of uh, the decision that we might end up making. Um, I, I don't know. So, I, I mean, I have trouble a little bit. So I, I'm looking for you guys to help me out here. I haven't made a decision. I'm not homeschooling anyone yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I look at the argument for, uh, the schools being a mission field and, and that's why I would be tempted to say, yes, Jude, yes, that would change something. If I, if I had a good quality teacher, even if they weren't a Christian, you know, I would love to send my kid there and, and then they have a mission field and all that kind of stuff. Part of my hesitation with that is, is number one, um, I think there's always a danger in sending our kids somewhere and saying, okay, now there's your mission field, you know, go at it, right? I think, you know, I was in youth ministry for a number of years before I I came into senior pastoring, and um, I always felt like with certain families I was battling the parents who wanted their kids to be something that they weren't, right? And so, you know, there is a danger in like, oh, go, you know, I think a lot of us say that. We say, oh, you know, the public school system, that's a mission field, and we're not modeling mission living to our kids at all. The other thing I would also say is like, is your eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, and and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment either way, I'm just asking the question, is your eight-year-old um, a missionary at school? Like, it, are they salt and light? And that's what you hear all the time. My question is, you know, how can you expect your kids to be salt and light if they're not that yet, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't have a 10-year-old, but I know plenty of uh, parents in the church who would look at their six-year-old who's prayed the Lord's Prayer at the end of their bed, and they say, oh, you know, they belong to God, they're a Christian, and then they, they're going to expect them to be a missionary at, at, in the public school system. And and I think sometimes part of the mistake we make in our youth ministries and our children's ministries is we're trying to disciple people who need to be evangelized. And so, you know, if you are sending your child uh, who we're not sure, we don't, we're not sure what their understanding of the gospel is. We don't know if their hearts have been regenerated. We don't know where they stand uh, eternally. And so we're sending them in and telling them to make their school a mission field. And meanwhile, we're sending somebody without a regenerate heart we're into a, a place where they're hearing another gospel, essentially, for, for eight hours a day. And I guess that's part of my fear. 
Um, I, I do think one thing that uh, you said, Chris, is that it's parents' responsibility to educate their children. And, and the reality is I think that's true whatever educational choice you make. Yes. Right, I think um, that's the major failure of the church here. the The major failure of the church is not that we've chosen public school over homeschooling, or that we are choosing homeschooling over public schooling. The major problem with the church is that you know parents have gotten lazy. We we haven't discipled our kids the way we're supposed to disciple our kids. So so that's on us. And no matter what education you're choosing for any of our listeners, your job is to educate your your children. You, you know, to your point too, uh, and I, it's a good point. There are private Christian schools which have um, people banging at their door, secular, atheists, Muslims, to go to a Christian school, and they have to sign something that says, we will teach religion to your child, and they're still willing to do it because the education is so good. So you could make that argument you know, a different way and, and still have the missionary thing. I think part of the picture that I see, I just recognize in my own and, and to you, uh, Drew and Chris, hypothetically to you, you know, for future kids, is you know I would think you two would have a line somewhere too, right? Where oh, you yeah. would, right where you would say, all right, enough's enough. Uh, and I'm just wondering, have you ever thought what that line is? You know, I've been fortunate where, you know, my kids um, are allowed to write using masculine and feminine pronouns, but what happens if? Right. All of a sudden, they're in a class, and the teacher says, "You do not use those anymore," and you have an objection to that. Do you have you thought about where's the line for my kid? Where I'm going to have to say, "No, this isn't worth it anymore." Yeah, like my mind has gone there a bit. My my mind also goes to um, if you comply, can, like can you comply with something that you feel is ridiculous? Right. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not an overly confrontational person, um, so Heather and I have always said we've built really great relationships with our teachers. So, um, with some of the curriculum that would infiltrate our kids, we've tried to walk shoulder to shoulder with with those teachers and know what's going on and ask questions. That's the one thing that goes through my mind. The school system, though I may not fully agree with the pronouns, I got a, there's a great pod, podcast from a U of T professor who has been dealing with this and, and has been, he's tenured, but has been pushed back on because he's pushing back on that, which I appreciate. But I often, I, I think too, not um, can you comply and not be spineless and still stand up for the gospel and for Jesus right. and his kingdom. Um, I always think through in my mind, where am I going? I guess that's what you're asking. Where are you going to, what's the hill you're going to die on? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I'm not pro or against um, public education or homeschooling. That would be the, the greater thing for me. When I say I haven't seen it as much, I think part of it is the culture we're trying to cultivate is if there are things that concern us, we're going to, especially within amongst our own kids, we're going to deal with it. I'm, and I know you're not, you guys aren't saying this, but I'm not necessarily, necessarily I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to push back on everything in the public school system. Not that I don't think it's in, uh, not that I don't think it has power and can shape and mold minds. I just sometimes wonder it, the culture that I'm creating, can they, cause I get what you're saying about the, the secular humanist view, but I also think there's things that they're learning. My hope is, is that, that are just general things where I'm, I'm shaping them. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, no, I think you're, no, you're but right. like yeah. the pronoun thing is a great thing. Cause as I was listening to this podcast, I thought 
if I was in school and I was, would I just use the pronoun and, and pronouns that they want and, and move like, am I, is that a hill you want to die? Am on? I at loss because I've got to use a pronoun that maybe the secular world is asking me to use it, What if I use that pronoun could favor come my way in the world of academia, whereas a Jesus follower, I could be salt and light, even right. though I don't full. So can I, can I participate in something that I don't fully agree with? You know, like, mm -hmm. and Daniel's a great example of that. Yeah. Like, I think you can suffer, you can, you can simply just use the right, like he, she, and just suffer the consequences, sure. right? And you could technically say you're suffering for the gospel. I, I'm in school right now and it's a biblical studies program and I have to use generic because yeah. it's a liberal university. So, but I just continually put the he and the she in and then just take the, take the marks. Now they haven't actually docked me for it, but you could theoretically say they would at some point they haven't, but they could. And you, like, I think sometimes you can just, and that's a really quick, easy way for, for a Christian to take a stand in, in the world to say, no, no, we are going to stand for truth. We're not going to conform. My main, yeah, totally. I'm, and I'm but with you. again, it's not my, the hill to die. My main thing is, is like, uh, and uh, in, in and through this is just because, and you're not, you guys aren't saying this at all, but like, I think there would be some that would say, if you're not fighting against this stuff, then, you know, you're not standing up. Right. And I'm just, I'm a little like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a weak person. I'm just trying to discern in the times in which we live, both when we talk about is the church in crisis and then um, education for our children, right. where, where to yeah, it's, where to die. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, well, we probably won't have time for this conversation, but it, you know, the Daniel conversation is a good one because you you do see Daniel goes into the the Babylon education system, right? The assimilation yep. project, so to speak, and they take the best and the brightest and they put them through and try to assimilate them, and that's how Babylon um, defeated its foes, not through right. slavery, but, but yeah, but yep. through assimilation. And Daniel goes through that, keeping his worldview intact, yep. rises actually to the top, and and is actually given um, authority over the other magi and and sorcerers and and wise people in the land, which is interesting. So that that's a huge conversation. And there was a form of resistance, though, for sure. Food and yeah. water. What well, and was that's it? My thing. What was it with the food and the water? You know, right. we could. I mean, we could yeah. Do and like, why why yeah. fight that and not something else? Right. And yeah. And that's, he won't take the food and water, but yeah. he'll learn sorcery. It, right. It, yeah. No. No. And sure. I, I get what it, you're saying. No, so, I'm affirming what you're saying. It's crazy yeah. to think through that. Like, yeah. Just and that's, the nuances. And that's a that. good conversation. And and maybe we'll have that uh, whether it's on air or off air. Yeah. It's a good conversation. But uh, I think, um, so one thing I will say, um, one thing that I'm afraid of as somebody who's advocating here for homeschooling, one of the things that I would fear, so that if, you're, if you're listening uh, to this and you are a, a family who's chosen homeschooling, I, I do think that there's, there's a danger here in creating a, a Christian bubble. And, and we recognize one of the things that we're talking about, I, I would push back on the salt and light argument of putting your kids in public school, but there is, there is that, okay, what are you doing to expose your children to the world? Because the reality is, is that we are in the world, but not of the world, right? So yep. there is, they do have to, you have to walk them through that tension and what that looks like for sure. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's an important thing for us to think through as well. I think to, to wrap up, I kind of think the, the last point I would make on this is neither, neither, neither option, even you could even throw the third option being like Christian education, none of those are inherently wrong. It's all about the, the attitudes that you're sending your kids to them. If you're, if you're laziness, you're lazily sending your kids to public school because you don't want to, to teach them at home, then you're sinning in that area. If you're 
keeping your kids at home out of fear? Well, you're sitting in that area because we're told to only fear God, right? right. So I think, it, I think the important thing with this discussion and to leave you guys with this is that if you're making the decision prayerfully and, and with what you think are the best intentions in terms of what we think the Bible is saying, then you can be making a different decision than say you would make than Jude would make, but both would be equal and okay at that, t- at that point for your family. That's kind of how I would look at it. I, I think, um, I, I'm not sure I totally agree, though I'm, I'm happy to leave it at that for, for peace in this podcast, but I, I would just say um, it would be an interesting discussion. You know, we, we only have uh, so much time on the podcast and we got four people vying for mic time, but it'd be an interesting conversation to talk about the history of this because the reality is, is that uh, education started with the church. Uh, it was handed over to the government um, because the uh, the church stopped doing it because we stopped being faithful in this particular area, and so it's we're, it's not like it's not like we're sitting here saying we have to do something completely revolutionary. No, no, no. The, the church led the way in education, and uh, and and it's eroded because of our lack of involvement in it. So. Whatever the case is, whatever church you go to, um, you know, you have to think through those questions. What is the church's responsibility in educating our children outside of a Sunday school program? uh, What is the church doing to help parents educate their children, whatever education uh, choice the parents have made? Sounds good. Well, let's wrap up with the Christian Life Hack. Jude, let's ask you, um, how how do you grow in sanctification? When your kids are being used as tools of the enemy. <laughs> topical, uh, topical. I like how you phrase that. Not that my kids would ever be used in that <laughs> way. But, um, you know, again, I think it's perspective. I don't uh, speak uh, being an expert on this. Uh, I speak on one who is still regularly being sanctified uh, by my children. Um, you know, I think uh, in many ways, having that perspective of uh, parenting uh, or uh, even marriage, um, that these are things that God uses uh, to help sanctify you, help you grow in godliness. Just having that perspective is helpful. So uh, all relationships are that way. And your closest relationships uh, should be mostly that way or in a greater degree than your other relationships. And so your relationships with your kids, God is going to use to sanctify you. So having that perspective, just understanding uh, that it works that way would be of great help. You know, not that I've done it uh, near as much as I should, but uh, when I pause and I say, you know what, this is for my growth, this is to conform me to the image of Christ, uh, then that certainly is helpful in the moments of exasperation and and frustration uh, to get that that glimpse. So being intentional about that, at least in terms of how you think about uh, your relationship and your parenting. Wonderful. Thanks, Jude. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Nate. Thanks. Well, this is obviously a big topic. We can't cover it all in 45 minutes. I'm sure every one of us here at the table have tons more to say on this. So what nah. we would like you to do... <laughs> nah, Drew's done. Uh, feel free to give us comments on Facebook. Give us your per- perspective, and we'll try to address some of those maybe on a future podcast. We can get us all back and have another discussion. But if you're on Facebook, give us a like, share our topics, even if you might have a different perspective than us. And on Instagram, obviously, or sorry, on iTunes... Give us a review and give us a five-star ratings. That's very appreciated. Have a great one, guys.